So today we're going to speak on something on Independence Day that is so patriotic. We're going to talk about God and money. It's good stuff, right? So the title of my message is really dumb. You'll see kind of how this plays out in a second. The title of the message today is It Takes Two to Tango, But You Can Only Tango with One. Isn't that ridiculous? That hit me last night at about 12 midnight. So I'm like, oh, that's really dumb. So I probably made some, maybe some bad food. I don't know. But we're continuing our series on the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is laying down some things. Pastor Tim did a great examination and teaching on fasting last week. If you didn't have a chance to listen on that, make sure you go check that out. Very, very amazing. And what we're looking at, we're going to be in chapter 6 today. We're going to continue on in chapter 6. But it's kind of like the whole, all of chapter 6 can be summed up in two words. It can be summed up with God first. That's what you could sum it up as, God first. Because we're looking at all these different things that, that's why I love Scripture so much. Because if you live this way, this is what happens. If you don't live this way, this is what happens. It's like there's no shocks and no surprises. And then people are shocked and surprised when they do something or they don't do it, and this is the result. And they're like, what happened? I'm like, uh, it's right here. So I love it when God does that most days. Sometimes I don't. But that's what makes us stronger and builds, us our, builds our character, right? So we have to ask ourselves, what do we look for most, man's approval or God's approval? What do we look for the most when we are living our life? A couple of weeks ago, uh, actually it was last week, Pastor Tim, when he was talking about fasting, he talked about having this performative Christianity, this performing way of living our lives to where we want to look good, but maybe not necessarily look good on the inside. Does that make sense? So it was like this. We do things on the exterior to look amazing, but really we've got turmoil going on in our own heart. And really the focus of the heart is what we're going to nail today. Because everything that we're going to talk about today all hinges around the condition of our heart. So we're going to look specifically at Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. Some of these verses are going to sound very familiar to you. So here's what it says. It says, Do not store your treasures up here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, or where thieves break in and steal them. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And, when the, and if the light you think you have is actually darkness, then how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. There's your encouraging verses for today. I, I saw this thing, and people were asked the question, what would you do for a million dollars? And now your wheels are turning. What would I do for a million dollars? Right? No. Maybe it is. Here's what some people said they would do for a million dollars. Some were willing to spend time in jail. Some were willing to never see their best friend again because they're important. 
Others were willing to permanently move to another country. This is disturbing. I'm glad my daughter's not in the room because she would hurt me. Other people said they would be willing to throw their pets off of a cliff. I'm like, <laughs> y'all messed up. Fido not going to like you. But see, many of us are shocked by some of those answers, but maybe there's times in our lives that we've sold our soul for way less than a million dollars. We've actually compromised who we are in our character for way less. And by the way, you're kind of sitting in on my own personal devos because a lot of this stuff is like right here, right? It's like I got hit by earthquake, right, earthquake? I said, man, I don't want that. So, <laughs> so that's what it is. It's living our lives in a way that is pleasing to God. So we're once in the middle talking about a Christian's motivation to live a holy and righteous life. Anytime you put something before God, sadly, there are strings attached to those things. And mostly times, unfortunately, all those strings are attached to our heart. You see, we get attached to things. People wonder why God speaks so much about money in the Bible. Well, it's not because God cares about money, because it's all his. He's not losing sleep about his financial status, okay, because what you have is all his. Spoiler alert. When it comes to money, God knows it's really your heart that's on the line, right? It's how we deal with things, and that's true for a lot of things in our lives. It's all based on how we feel our conviction, how we feel passionate about something, how we attach ourselves to it. All those people that wanted to do those terrible things for a million dollars, here's the thing. It kind of just revealed the things that might have been in their heart. Like if you're, I mean, I don't know if you think about your pet that way, but some days my dog is like, you know what, you should probably go somewhere else right now. And then he comes back and he snuggles and you're like, okay, you can stay. Dogs do that. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart. What does it mean to guard your heart? That means like, if, if you're, have everybody ever seen fencing? And when they say on guard, if you're on the receiving end and you go, what did he say? You're getting stabbed. You're not on guard. <laughs> you're like, what? And buzz, you're done. Okay, thanks for coming out. Guard your heart. Be on the defensive for what's going to come against you. So in this section, God's going to talk about God and money, and he does using this three different illustrations. He talks about two treasures, two sets of eyes, and two masters. So it takes two to tango, but you can only tango with one. See what I did? That's the title. That's where it, it was cheesy to begin with, and now it might be worse for you. I don't know. But so there we are. So the first thing we want to talk about is two treasures. In verses 19 to 21, don't store up your treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them. Or where thieves break in and steal them. Store your treasures in heaven. You see, Jesus makes this contrast for our treasures that either you can store them up in heaven or here on earth where they're going to fade away and pass away. The treasures on earth will always pass away. 
Now, if somebody came up to you and said, man, I have the investment of a lifetime for you. Here's, here's what we're going to do. I want you to invest this money, but in the matter within six months, all your interest is gone. And then everything you invested in it is gone. Anybody want to sign up? I would hope not. <laughs> and hopefully we have a little bit more going on upstairs. That, that sounds fantastic. I've, but I've made purchases sometimes, and it's kind of felt like that. How many would be interested in putting their money in a bank that has no locks on the doors and the money is accessible to pretty much anybody, anytime? Seems reasonable, right? Probably not. Or ladies, I got one. Imagine this beautiful ad for a Louis Vuitton purse. And it says a beautiful bound leather purse with accentuated handles, with holes in the bottoms where everything that you have falls out. <laughs> On sale this week for $1,200. <laughs> what a bargain. I could sew that up. Now, we kind of laugh at these examples of about investment, right? But it kind of... <laughs> it's. It's kind of like the way it is if we, if we use our treasures, if we store them up on earth. It's kind of like putting our eggs in a basket that will eventually rot. So the question becomes, how are you investing your resources? We store up treasures on earth when we hoard our money instead of using it for God's kingdom. We store up treasures on earth when we spend selfishly or extravagantly, extravagantly on ourselves or instead of ministering to the needs of others. We store up treasures on earth when we spend more time and money on things of this world rather than things of heaven. But don't worry, there's good news coming. Hold on. But everything we store passes away. I love the imagery that Jesus uses. Moths will eat through fabric, rust will eat through the metal, and thieves will break in and steal. Have you ever seen a junkyard with cars? And I didn't think about this until I saw this pastor talk about it. And he says, Do you, have you ever thought that when you drive by a junkyard, at some point, somebody paid full price for that car right off the assembly line or off the lot, and they paid big money for that thing sitting there rusting and decaying and turning into nothing? Somebody made an investment in that thing that's decaying. And when you think about it that way, when you go drive by a junkyard next, you're like, that's a lot of money sitting there. I've never thought of a junkyard that way. I'm just like, what an eyesore. Or you start looking at, what could I fix? <laughs> I can get a cheap fixer-upper car. Ron Waring will paint it for me, and it'll be great. <laughs> if you put lipstick on a pig, you still have a pig. <laughs> so... You have to be careful what you paid, right? Things don't last, and even if they did, we don't. Newsflash. Death is the ultimate thief that separates us from our possessions. You can't take it with you. That's why Job in the Old Testament said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. You're welcome for the visual. I knew this preacher that talked one time, and he says, have you ever seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul? 
We haven't, right? Until my friend from Nebraska sent me a picture. And he said, guess what? <laughs> he showed me a picture. There was a hearse with a U-Haul. I'm like, I can't use that analogy anymore, dang it. But that was in Nebraska. You guys haven't heard about that yet, so we're good. It takes a while for things to come out of there, so... Jesus told the parable about a rich fool who stored up all sorts of things for himself. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with, with anyone who stores up for themselves but is not rich with God. There is a richness that we can have in God. See, the treasures that you store up in heaven last forever. Have you ever tried to ponder eternity? That'll hurt your brain. Because in our minds, in our human minds, we think that everything has an end. So we try to think of something infinite. We're like, oh. It's like tr watching the, the new the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. If you've never watched that movie, it's okay. You're not missing much. But it's just over four hours long. It's like, uh, I got to go to the bathroom. Pause. Thank goodness it was at home. <laughs> We're going to pause that. We're going to go watch the rest in a minute. But everything as far as Jesus and God goes is infinite. There is no end. So you store up your treasures in heaven, it doesn't come to an end. It, that's an ibuprofen moment. That's all that is. That'll hurt your brain. Command those who are rich in this present world to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, which is from 1 Timothy chapter 6. So here's, here's a good thing to live by today. Do good, be rich in good deeds, be generous and willing to share. That seems reasonable, right? But who's going to pay my bills? Well, God's got that covered too, and we'll talk about that in a second. See, our money and our resources here on earth, we can't take it with us, but we can send it on ahead. We can make an investment here on earth that will have eternal rewards for people that we reach for Jesus. I had the opportunity yesterday morning, I was... We were on a trip going to Utah and uh, Zion and Bryce Canyon and all this stuff, and we're pulling our trailer. I've never had a blowout on my trailer before until that day, and that was a good time. Once my heart started beating again, you realize, what was that bang and smoke and rubber flying? <laughs> You're like, oh, so this is what that is. And so I was getting tires put on my trailer yesterday morning. And so I was talking to my wife, Deborah, and I said, so I got it there early because their Saturdays are nuts. So I was parked outside of their stop shop at like 730. I'm like, I'm ready. I'm here. She says, well, go over there and get breakfast. I'm like, oh, what a great idea. I like food. Why didn't I think of this? So I went over and I ordered myself breakfast. And there was a gentleman in front of me. And he had a $5 bill and he had a little like a money stamp card, EBT card. And he says, there should be this much in there. So they swiped it, denied. Swipe this, denied. Swipe this, denied. Swipe this. And he was like, he was going to get himself a breakfast burrito. 
So he finally just took what he had. He says, could I just have a large drink? And so I was, as, as soon as he turned around and he had his drink, and I said, did, did you have enough for your burrito, man? He goes, no. I said, I got you. I'll buy you a burrito. Primo burritos are the bomb. Have a burrito. So I bought him a sausage burrito. And so I said, do you want it to stay or do you want to go? He says, I need to go. I'm like, okay, we'll put it in a bag. We'll let you go. But once I gave it to him, the look on his eyes was like he had just won the lottery. Remember what the people would do for a million dollars? That burrito in this moment was worth a million dollars to him. And so it doesn't matter what it looks like to people on the outside. It's man, in that moment, that was the lottery. And I, th- and I know, I could probably say this safely, that a lot of you have encountered the same type of idea and the same people and the same things, and you've given out of the abundance because God has blessed you. See, God blesses us so we can be a blessing to others. And guess what that is? That is establishing treasures, right? I don't remember his name. I should. That's awful. But the fact that in that moment, we were able to be a blessing to this guy was awesome. Everything else didn't matter in that moment. And guess what? When you're a blessing to somebody else, not only does it bless them, but it blesses you. God says, well done. And so he's got more in store for his kids. But we just have to look beyond our bank account and see what we can do for someone else. It's a full-time job if you, if you keep looking. It's exhausting, but it's awesome. The only things that last forever are people and the Word of God. And by people, I said, one day they're going to last forever, those who live in eternity. Value people over possessions. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. People will ask sometimes, what are you doing to prepare for retirement? Sometimes I ask the question, what are you doing to prepare for heaven? What are you doing to prepare for the ultimate retirement? Right? I don't know if that sounds creepy or not, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, Don't get me wrong. There is nothing wrong with planning your finances and being wise with your money and planning for your future. But being so, can I use the word tight with our stuff to where we're planning on earth to where we're not doing anything above and beyond that to bless someone else, it's a biblical command to be good stewards of our money. We're supposed to be good stewards of what we have. Remember, it's all his anyways, so look after it. Why does it matter where you store your treasure? It all has to do with your heart. See, it's not about the money. God doesn't need your money, but he sure wants your heart. He sure wants you. What is your treasure? It's whatever you value the most in life. Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes this. Everything which hinders us from loving God above all things and acts as a barrier between ourselves and our obedience to Jesus is our treasure and the place where our heart is. 
So whether it's the wealthy man and his investments or it's the homeless man and his blanket, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right? Now, ironically, I have two former students in the room that showed up today, and they're going to know exactly what I'm about to talk about when it comes to footwear. As soon as you walked in, I'm like, oh, no, Angie's going to have a heyday with this. But just to give you a little background, I am a sneakerhead. If you don't know what a sneakerhead is, it's somebody who just really likes sneakers and shoes and things. Me and Imelda Marcos would have to go at it. But I loved Air Jordans. Air Jordans was my thing. I know, I'm a white Canadian from Canada. What do I know about Michael Jordan? That's just they right. I'm like, look at he's in denial. He's gone. But literally, I'd have like six different colors of the same shoe. <laughs> what? I think back now, but at one point, I had a whole room in my condo dedicated to my shoes. It was awesome at the time. But now I think back, wow, that's really pathetic. And then I see people post their sneaker rooms in their houses, and I'm like, oh, I'm so jealous. I mean, that is awful. Get this. This will give you perspective on how ridiculous it was. 142 pairs of Jordans. I only got two feet. But I had choices. I thought, hmm, what's going to go with my shirt today, right? Every day I had kids when I, when I was teaching high school, every day kids would walk up to me like, all right, shoes are matching the shirt. <laughs> you may proceed with your day, Mr. Rondo. <laughs> I had to make sure I met the criteria. But it became something that was like an obsession. It wasn't healthy because it was spending me a lot of money, and I had a dealer. <laughs> His name was Joe, and he worked at Foot Locker. And I bought a pair of shoes, and one time I walked out a pair of shoe, with a pair of shoes, and, and Joe's good salesman, jerk. And uh, I walked out of Foot Locker, and I'm like, wait, that should have been way more than the, what I just paid. So I went back in, and I says, I think you guys missed something, because this should have been way more than it was. And I looked at the receipt. He started giving me the employee discount. I'm like, is that bad? I'm like, recently I got a senior discount at Taco Bell. I thought that was amazing. But I saved $1.23 on my chalupa. But, uh, and that was sad at the same time. I'm like, wait, <laughs> that's a senior discount. I need, need to get some gray-reducing shampoo or something. But it became something that was so prevalent in my life that anything that moved that had that little Nike Jumpman logo, <gasps> My precious. Right? Felt like I was in Lord of the Rings, but with shoes, not a ring. And it became so much of a thing that it was the focus. And it's pathetic. I think back, okay, how much money was that? I should stop. I'm getting depressed. Now I, I have kids. I can't afford them. 
So we go to the outlet mall and look at the clearance wall. Is that a buy one, get one free? Sweet. <laughs> now I'm a little more of a frugal shopper, so I'm like, oh, fantastic, let's do that. I think you get my point. Everything, and now I've sold all those shoes pretty much, so I'm over my addiction. I've been set free. I actually had a, a tattoo of Michael Jordan on my leg. Forgot that part. That's even sicker. I, I put the Jumpman logo on my leg, but now it's the cross because he finally came to the cross in my life. So, I mean, nothing against Michael Jordan. love Michael Jordan, but it was a thing. You can buy me a Slurpee and we'll talk about it. <laughs> Pastor Tim likes coffee. I like Slurpees. Okay. <gasps> I got it. Oh, I got my rewards. We're on lock on my rewards, I'll tell you. Okay, so we had two sets of treasures, right? Now we're going to look at two sets of eyes because the eyes are very important because to me, with my eyes, those Jordans are, woo, those are eye candy to me. But it wasn't healthy. So we have to be careful of what our focus becomes because, see, the eye is symbolic of your heart. The eye is symbolic of what is in your heart. It becomes this idea where in uh, Psalm 119, verse 6, I consider all your commands, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. We find the same thought expressed a few verses later in verse 10 where it says, I seek you with all my heart. So we are back to the heart again. See, what we see is all attached to our heart. And if we look at things or we see things that are not good and not appropriate and not things that we shouldn't be looking at, it's just a, a, basically a condition of our heart. You see, when your heart is right, your path is clear. When your heart is right, you can see clearly now that the rain has gone. I can see all obstacles. I'm not going to sing that. I want you to stay for at least till the end. When your guys are good, you can see what it is that you need to see and feel in touch and where your feet need to go. That's why it's important for our eyes to be able to see. In the same way, when our heart is right, our whole life comes into focus. We have one purpose in life, and that is to glorify God. It's interesting that the same word can also be meaning being generous, which is what we store up in heaven. Think of it as seeing through spiritual binoculars. Anybody ever used a pair of binoculars before? Probably most of us have, whether you got like the, the dollar store plastic ones that like, look, I can see another four inches. These are awesome. But you... You can take a look, and I, I think about this in my mind. I think about a sniper with a spotter. And now they can look at the grand scheme of a hillside, but then they're going to get their scope, and they're going to use that to become focused on that fixed point that they're focusing on. It's the same thing with our lives. We can look at our lives on a grand scale, on a grand picture, but, man, when we really get in tune with God and we actually get on the right path, he brings our focus to that fixed point of what we need to be focusing on. 
Sure, we still have the world around us, but he's like, here's my plan for you. It's right here. So keep your spiritual binoculars on because it's very important. But when your heart is wrong, we can walk in darkness. See, when your heart is right, your path is clear. But when your heart is wrong, it can be dark. Just like it says in, verse six tw- in uh, Matthew 6.23, like we read, but if your eyes are bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. And then the light within you is darkness. How great is that darkness? You see, sometimes we think that we have it all together. We have it all figured out, that what I'm seeing is actually healthy. It's actually life-giving. But really, if my heart is not pure, I'm kind of seeing through skewed lenses. I'm seeing, through, I'm seeing things that, I'm, seeing, I'm not seeing things through a God lens. I'm seeing through my distorted lens, which is not always healthy because we have human eyes. And, well, that's what we do. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. In Proverbs, it says, they do not know what makes them stumble. So if we walk in the dark, we, f- we stumble. We don't know <laughs> what's doing it. See, the word bad here can mean not working, but also bad in the sense of evil or jealous. Have you ever had somebody give you the evil eye? Men? Husbands? Have you ever gotten the evil eye? Have you ever got two at once? When both of them, you get the double squint or the squint and the eyebrow raise? Or excommunicato, (laughs) the silence, yeah. Here the evil eye belongs to the person who is jealous at heart instead of generous in spirit. See, a lot of times if we have an evil eye, we spend more time of being skeptical of what's all around us than actually looking at the opportunities that God has for us. We like to call it social media. Because we're all tough when we're behind a keyboard. But when we're face to face, I love you. You're my BFF. I can't believe they did that. You know what I mean? It's, it's, you have to see through the right eyes. When darkness is not only just around you, but when it's within you, it all comes back to your heart. See, God cares about your heart, and when your heart is wrong, your whole life is plunged into darkness. This image is like really, really crazy. And here's the thing. If you are too concerned with how others are affecting you or blaming everybody else for for your issues, there's only one common denominator in every scenario. It's me. So I have to start looking at myself and saying... Whose eyes am I looking through? Am I looking through a lens that's healthy, that's life-giving, that's life-preserving, that's loving? Or am I too worried about being right or being correct or being first or being, you know what I mean? So it's our lenses have to be cleaned on a daily basis so we know whose lens we're going to be looking through. And if you have people in your life who are... (laughs) helping you cope with the darkness instead of trying to pull you out and breaking you out of it, recalibrate your heart by who you are associating with. I've said this before, and if you've been here for a minute, I use this quote a lot because it's beautiful. 
It's hard to soar like an eagle when you're surrounded by turkeys. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen turkeys? They're crazy. I have some that live across the street from me. I'm not talking about the people. I'm talking about real, live, actual turkeys. <laughs> it's crazy. They like, my daughter and I were out front doing landscaping, and one of them decided to jump up on the wall and then jumped down, and then he kind of looked over at us, and then he shot his rear feathers up, and he started doing that. <laughs> that turkey strut. Before, like, he had the eye of the tiger. I was like, something's about to go down, but I don't know what Thanksgiving's got in mind, but we're about to get dinner. <laughs> so my, wife, my daughter says, what's in your pocket? I said, rocks. I said, for what? David and Goliath, sweetheart. That turkey coming at me, he going down. We're going to eat well. But no, it's, turkeys are vicious. So if you want to fly, don't associate with people that want to pluck your wings. Because if they're in their spot, they want to pluck your wings, so misery loves company, as they say. If they're not willing to sacrifice their heart and their life to, and go to the places where God wants them to do, they're going to take everybody down with them so they feel better about themselves. They don't want to see you successful. They don't want to see you moving ahead in the things of God. They want to say, but stay with me because it's comfy here. Comfy's ugly. See, God has not called us to a life of comfort. The Christian life is not comfortable. Oh, it's cool. It's awesome. But it'll stretch you. I'm living proof that it stretches you. Hey, I told my family, my parents, everybody that I was in a relationship with, I am never, ever, ever, ever going to be a teacher. And I'm definitely never going to be a pastor. This worked out real well for me. Because I'm both. <laughs> God's like, well, that's cute. I've got something for you. Let's move on. Just have your little fit. Let's go. <laughs> so, and, he, and, that, and that's the amazing thing about God, that even if we get in those ruts, in those situations, in those times where we are in the darkness or we're not seeing straight or my treasure's on the wrong thing, he is so faithful. You could take a million steps from God, and all you got to do is turn around and take one step because he's there with his arms wide open saying, welcome home, my child. So if you're here this morning and you've taken those steps away and you felt like you've been running, oh, there was a grand pursuit going on for your heart. Some of you live it. Some of you know it. And guess what? He's here today. And he wants to do the same thing for you that he does for people every day is set them free. Which leads us to the last point, two masters. So we had two treasures, two eyes, now we got two masters. Oh, it's about to get real. You ready? I need a sip of water because we're about to go deep. That and I'm really thirsty. No one can serve two masters. He will, he, he will hate the one and love the other, 
or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. It's impossible. You cannot serve two masters. You have to be completely devoted to one. Now, if you work a job here part-time, and then you go at a different time and go work at a job here, okay. I mean, in a practical sense, that makes sense, right? But if you're working the same job and one guy says, I need you to get this package to Burbank now, and another guy comes in, I need this in Ventura now. Uh, um, question? I can't do that. You can't serve two masters. It cannot be done. James 4.4 says, don't you know that a friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. There's no middle ground. You cannot serve two masters. Your heart can only be fully devoted to one. It all comes back to our heart. Our heart can only handle that. Because if we get distracted, we get devoted to too many things, we suffer what we call burnout. We get too, too many irons in the fire. We try to please everybody and do everything a certain way. And we always try to do the right thing. But sometimes if we consistently try to do the right thing that is beyond our capabilities, somebody will lose. And sometimes it's us. Because we get burned. Anybody been, ever like been, feel like you're burning the candle at both ends and you're like... I would like to sleep for a month. That'd be great. So I'm with you. Because some days we go through these things. Because your heart is the thing that's on the line, and that's the thing that God cares about the most. Now, once again, it's not wrong to have money or things. It's okay to have stuff. I like stuff. Stuff's cool. Just don't let the stuff have you. It's okay to have money. Just don't love it. I mean, we need it to survive, but don't worship on the altar of the almighty dollar. It's a very shallow altar. I, used to, I said this question to some eighth graders this year. We were talking about this being devoted, kind of like, in the book of James, it talks about looking at yourself in the mirror, then a few minutes later, forgetting what you look like. It's like being double-minded. So I said, imagine you meet your dream girl or your dream guy. And you go out on a few dates, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I think this is working. This is awesome. This is great. And then you go down, and you go to sit down, and you go to have the serious conversation. And then they look at you and they say, you know what? I think you're very special. I love you with most of my heart. <sighs> and I am fully committed to you, 50%. I'm, I'm sorry, what? So when we've been going out, the days we haven't been going out, have you been going out with other people? Oh boy, bye. See you. See, you think about that, and it's like, oh, my gosh, of course. And my kids were like, no way, I wouldn't stand for that. See ya. I don't need that in my life. But yet, ironically, we treat God that way 
in our lives. And I'm saying this because this is my personal Devo time. Y'all just get to hang out and listen. Because you guys wouldn't do that because y'all are like super spiritual. You unlock with Jesus. It's all good. But sometimes we do treat our relationship with God that way, don't we? I'm like, oh, God, yeah, I'm going to worship you in a, in a second, but the game's on. I'll be with you shortly. Like, there's only four minutes and 23 seconds left in the fourth quarter, which literally means like a half hour. And all the ladies are like, that's right. I keep telling them. Okay. But it's all about giving ourselves in complete and total obedience to everything that God has for us. We can't be halfway. You can't serve two masters. We have, we choose this day who you will serve. We have to make a decision about all these things in our lives, about who we're going to serve. So the, the thing is, is that, of course, it's absurd that, oh, yeah, I'm getting married to my wife, and she's going to be faithful to me half the time. That's not a covenant. That's barely a contract. That's messed up, <laughs> you know? So a covenant means there was a bond. There was a thing there that cannot be broken, which is our relationship with Jesus. It's this covenant. It's this bond. It's this thing that no one's going to take me away. No one's going to drag me away from the love of God. The Bible says that nothing can separate us from his love. Sometimes our actions make us feel like we're distant, but he's always there. So who do we serve, God or money? Jesus' words have profound implications for our lives. Now, how will we choose a career? Will we choose it based on how much money we make or how we can best serve others and God? Where will we invest our resources? Will you save and spend for yourself or help the needy and invest in God's kingdom? And all these things, there is a balance to them. Unless God tells, oh, go, go empty your savings and go give it to the poor. I, that's not the message I'm preaching. I'm saying there is a balance because we all have something to give. But it also doesn't have to be just finances. Anybody have a truck? You know, if you have a truck, you're going to get calls. And I love it. Pastor Mark, I need a couch move. Can you help me? Yes. Where? San La Carita. Road trip. Slurpee stop. All is right in the world. You know what I mean? We all have an opportunity to be a blessing. And what all that does is build up treasures. That's all it does. It's building up treasures in heaven. Because we're being who the church has been called to be. This is the church building. Y'all are the church. This is the staff meeting. You're all hired. Congratulations. The work starts when you leave. What? Oh, there's work to do. It may even start by saying, hi, neighbor. 
you know, the one that doesn't want to talk to anybody, who opens his garage door, drives, and drives in and shuts the garage door before he gets out of his car. I have them on all sides of me. So I'm like, hey, neighbor! <laughs> neighbor! <laughs> okay, we'll see you later. Happy fourth. We'll get them. <laughs> you should come to Easter. No. You just be effective and be present. And guess what? You being you and who God has called you to be will be infectious. And people will see a difference and they will see you and they will get on board with what you got. Give them something awesome to see as we lay our treasures up in heaven. So this passage talks about three hard-hitting questions. Will you store up your treasures on earth or in heaven? Is your heart right with God or wrong? Will you serve God or money? And Jesus tells us three important things about the heart. Your treasure determines your heart. Your heart determines the course of your life, and you cannot divide your heart between two masters. It's all about this right here and what you surrender to God. Joshua 24, 15 says, choose this day whom you will serve, but choose wisely because it's your heart that is on the line. So the response today to this message, and I'm going to wrap up. Ms. Liz is going to come and share some announcements with us. But as we wrap up today, the response to this message is simple and yet <laughs> extremely difficult. What's pulling the most on your heart today? Stuff and things, the money side of things, or God's presence and calling on your life? And which one are you going to let have the reins? Examine your heart today and if, see if there's things that need to be recalibrated in your life. And uh, recalibrate doesn't mean a complete overhaul. Sometimes we just need the little tweaks, you know? We just need the little things. It's like, oh, I was reading the Bible today. <gasps> Good place to start. That's fantastic. Spent time. Remember that whole surrounded by turkeys thing? Start associating with some eagles. People that are like-minded. People that are flying where you're flying. People that are going where you're going. Surround yourself with people like that. So let me pray for you guys this morning. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your presence that is in this place. And, Father, I just thank you that you have given us this opportunity to share life, to speak life, and to store up treasures for you. God, give us the eyes to see things through your eyes, not through our own and not through the skewed eyes of this world, but help us to see things as you see them. Help us to be strong. Give us courage, Father, in the conversations that we may have with people that you would make us your ambassadors. As we go forth, even as just a saying hi to a neighbor, <laughs> give us the strength to do that. Or if they ask a question, give us the answers. We pray for these opportunities. We thank you. And God, we also pray for our hearts. I pray for, pray for every heart in this room, everyone that's watching online. I pray for their hearts that they would make a decision to follow you, the one true God. That if something needs to be recalibrated in their lives, 
it all starts with the heart. We thank you, God, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.